Hello and welcome to the Virtual House Church. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and uh, I'm excited to be joined with Kevin Roberts and Juan Carlos and Jake Grant today once again. And uh, before we get into all that, uh, just uh, for those of you who are new to the Virtual House Church, if you go to the Virtual House Church website, which is virtualhousechurch.com, go to virtualhousechurch.com, let me switch that over here, um, and you'll see <clears throat> in the main menu, uh, we've just got a few links there to help you get to know us, what we're all about. Let me enlarge this here a little bit so it looks better for you. There you go. Uh, <clears throat> just who we are is about Sheila and I and what we believe is our statement of faith coming out of Babylon. There's a ton of resources there for you to uh, check out. What does it mean to come out of Babylon, that sort of thing. Virtual House Church store, a couple of calendars there. If you want to understand the Hebrew calendar, we've got the calendar that Kevin and Amanda Roberts put together. Uh, it's available for free. Click on that to view the PDF. Uh, if you want to buy it domestic or international, you have the buttons, the appropriate buttons there for you. Also, a calendar that Juan Carlos put together for us. Uh, same thing. Click on that free PDF for you to view. Uh, you can order the workbooks online at Amazon. As I've said before, you will get them probably faster through Amazon, but cheaper if you go through us. So depends on how you want to get them. Uh, <clears throat> my orders have come in, so if you have ordered um, in the last week or so, your your order's in the mail if you, if you order the five-pack here. Uh, I think there was one order that I didn't get out in time, and that was, if you're listening, somebody from New Zealand, actually. So um, that will go out on Monday, but everybody else is... is in the mail. So uh, there's a PDF version if you'd like to check that out uh, and, and you can print them off for your family or friends if you have a home group or something. Uh, the Ephraim Awakening DVD-ROM has all these resources uh, that you see here available on there all in that one disc so you can check that out. And then as I mentioned last week this is a new category uh, that I put into the website what do we do with Paul? Oh, foolish Galatians. Got to deal with the book of Galatians, right? So there's a couple of links for you to check out on that that uh, contain a series of blogs and stuff that are on our companion website, <clears throat> Ephraim Awakening, the EphraimAwakening.com website. Uh, and, of course, uh, videos and resources dealing with Galatians there. And then right below that, we see our weekly studies. And if we scroll down, we are doing week number 45. I'm not sure how you say that, but... Echenen, Vechenen, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you can check out the Virtual House Church study page there. The scriptures for today's reading that we'll be going over uh, and discussing is right here, Deuteronomy 3.23 through 7.11, and the prophets Isaiah 40 through and also uh, 62. And I'm not going to read through all these, but uh, this is the list from the New Testament that go along with these readings. And as always, we have a video here. Um, it's by a ministry called Parsha in 60 Seconds. Parsha is just the Hebrew word for study. And they distill the whole thing down. Oh, I think I need to change my settings here. Hang on real quick <clears throat> so that you can hear it. Yep, I do. Just a second here. Doop. Okay, that should do it. Uh, so we'll go ahead and play that because that uh, sets the stage for what we're going to be doing for the rest of this broadcast here. 
Shalom and welcome to Parsham 60 Seconds. Today's portion is from Deuteronomy 3.23.7.11. It is called Be'et Hanan, which means, and I pleaded. Moses pleads with God to let him cross over to see the other side of the Jordan River. God says no. Moses climbs the summit of Pisgah and looks at the land. Moses instructs Joshua to be strong and courageous as he leads the people. Moses tells the Israelites to listen to God's laws, not to add or subtract anything from or to them, and to make them known to their children and their children's children. Moses warns them against idolatry, and if they fail, God would scatter them among the peoples, leaving only a scant few alive. If the Israelites followed God during exile, God would bring them back. Moses then preaches about the greatness of God and proves that there is no other gods besides God. Moses then establishes the cities of refuge and gives out the rule book. Moses then gives another reminder of the law and how it was given by God on Mount Horeb, and that the covenant was made with each individual and not their fathers. Moses then recalls the Ten Commandments. Once again, Moses reminds the Israelites to worship only God and to keep the Passover. Moses tells the Israelites that God will bring them to the land and will dislodge seven nations before them, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. We conclude with one final reminder that God is God, and that is the Et Hanan in 60 seconds. Okay, so that's how you say it. <laughs> uh, it's probably one of those Hanan <laughs> kind of deals there. <clears throat> um, hopefully you guys did your homework. Uh, the homework before each virtual house church is to at least read the scriptures here uh, so you have some frame of mind because we're not going to actually read them here on the air or play the audio like we've done in previous uh, years. Um, so hopefully you, you have at least done that. Um, I recommend you uh, do that at least and or watch the 2013 or 2016 broadcast because those tend to have more teachings than the 2017 broadcast. Um, The 2017 broadcast was more of a QA. and a typically. Um, That year we did uh, questions and answers with the audience, so uh, that's why I recommend you listen to either the 13 or the, the one underneath it, which is either 2014 or 2016 typically. Uh, the ones that I have there, but as I said before, John Pounders has given me all the videos that I was missing, so I've been systematically going through and updating the website, putting uh, videos that were missing, like on this page, um, these videos were missing from other ministries, um, and I've went and researched them. I think 119 has actually been going through their old stuff and replacing them with the same titles, but sort of updating their teachings, because I'd have like their Deuteronomy 13 test, and they'd be gone, and then i go to their 119 ministries uh, channel and it's still there. I'm like, ah, they must have just updated it. So uh, I went and updated my videos here as well. And of course, there's uh, you know various uh, texts that I have on the screen based on previous year studies that are related to whatever we talked about. Um, these are videos here that I really recommend you check out if you haven't already. Grafted in by 119 Ministries, and uh, of course, Identity Crisis by Jim Staley. Uh, two videos I very much uh, recommend people check out. And if you're uh, concerned about the troubled times and you find yourself getting anxious or having anxiety about it, uh, here's an audio you can listen to with my friend John William Galt, the voice of the movies, the guy you, you, know, you probably heard when you rent a video or something back in the days with Blockbuster Video, right? Or listen to a preview coming this fall. Uh, he's the voice of the movies. Uh, I had him read Psalm 91 for me. Uh, and I put some music to it, so it's something that uh, can be a source of encouragement to you. All right, so enough of the admin. I'm going to go ahead and welcome my other hosts on with me here. Hey, guys, how you doing today? Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Good. Yeah. Shabbat shalom. Right on. We had a good time with Jake uh, and his wife this past week. Uh, uh, he was here from Monday to, uh, well, they left uh, Thursday morning. Uh, had a good time, got some a lot of stuff in the works that we're hoping will work out, uh, but it was a really good time of fellowship that we had together uh, over the last week. Um, 
So there's a uh, quite a bit to talk about in this week's Torah portion and prophets and New Testament. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. I actually listened to the 2016 broadcast. I was away doing a conference that particular weekend. So it was John Hall talking with Steve Mutria, and uh, a lot of great insights that they brought to the table. I really enjoyed it. It was a blessing to listen to that again this morning. But uh, excited to hear what your thoughts were for this week's study. Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a lot of times I go last because I tend to 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 go long, and um, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate everybody you know get, getting on here today. Um, I do have a, a very short presentation this time. It's only about ten slides, so okay. uh, it it kind of is in it's in a association with looking at what Moses said and comparing it uh, with what Yeshua was talking about with respect to the kingdom and. In the end times, which I think is a, a timely type message. So maybe take about 15, 20 minutes to go through it. So if we can hit that first if you like, or we can go round table, however you prefer to go about it. Uh, you know, that's fine. We, uh, we we often save you for last, but why not? We'll kick it off with uh, whatever. You, are you going to go full screen or? Yeah, mm. I'll just do that. Um, okay. And here we go. All right. Can you see this? We're full screen now? Yes, sir. Okay, so Va'et Hanan, and by the way, the pronunciation was very good, Rob. <laughs> it has this uh, yeah. this this element of Chen inside there, which is the Hebrew word for grace. Uh, it's the reverse of Noah, which uh, of course relates to him him resting. So he's pleading, he's wanting grace here. But but really, the core of what I was uh, observing was relating to Deuteronomy four. And, and, and I'm going to go through a series of statements that are made in this Torah portion, and, and it kind of frames this concept. And, and where I'm coming from is I get a lot of questions, a lot of heat, frankly, about saying, well, you're trying to keep the law so you could be saved and this and that. And, and, it's, and, and what I want to do is, is contrast a view that you can be saved, but you could also not be um, a part of the kingdom that he's establishing before the return of the Messiah. And so this whole thing that he's waking us up, I mean, we're in this period of right now of essentially restitution of all things. And if, if part of that restitution worldwide is making things right, eventually uh, it means that Israel and Judah will come together back into the land that they were it's going to be restored to them as well, as just like everything else is being restored to all the other nations right now with, with the upheaval that we're going through. And so this this whole idea about you know a, a second exodus or a regathering into the kingdom, it, it really is what, what do we need to do to be prepared to be able to participate in that? And and that's that's where I'm coming from. It's it's we're doing it because we have anticipation that the words of the prophets are accurate. And and so Moses lays it out crystal clear in this Torah portion, and, and so we'll go through it together. So starting out in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, Now, Israel, listen, and this is the Hebrew word Shema, which means to also, it has an implication of obeying, right? So listen or obey the laws and the rulings that I'm teaching you in order to follow them so that you will live, and then you will go in and take possession of the land that Yahuwah, your Elohim of your fathers, is giving you. In order not to obey the mitzvot or the commandments of Yahuwah your Elohim, which I am giving you, and do not add to what I'm saying, and do not subtract from it. So, so you see that this it's a preparation while you're outside the land to be able to to come back in. 
And, and in verse 5, he continues, he says, Look, I've taught you the laws and the rulings just as Yahuwah my Elohim had ordered me so that you can behave accordingly in the land where you are going in order to take possession of it. So, again, he's, he's getting a, his people prepared to come back into the land. In verse 14, we see that at that time, Yahuwah ordered me to teach you laws and rulings so that you will live by them in the land that you're entering in order to take possession of it. And again, I've got little bits and pieces of verses to, to, to eliminate a lot of detail because that's awesome information. But, but the context of what I'm talking about is basically when you're out there, you're going to become corrupt. okay, And then you're going to do what is evil in the sight of Yahuwah your Elohim and provoke him and then Yehoah will scatter you among the peoples and that's where we are to this day uh, the northern tribes of Israel were scattered to the ends of the earth starting in about 722 BC and our period of punishment is over 2009 so it's like waking us up and Judah is in a similar situation um, and, and so it's 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 a time for the restoration of all things because the, the time period for this punishment is is reaching a conclusion but he says here, and this is so encouraging to me, in verse 29, he says, However, from there, these nations to which we've been scattered, he says, You will seek Yahuwah your Elohim, and you will find him. It's a promise. We're going to find him. He's not going to hide himself forever. But if we have to search after him with all of our heart and being. And so while we're out here in these lands, we've been scattered because of our disobedience. As part of us coming back, he says, you're, we're going to seek him with us heart, and we're going to find him. And he goes, and then he continues, in your distress, when all these things have come upon you, and he's talking about judgments and, and all of these, in the Acharit Hayamin, this is the last days, right? When you, it says, you will return to Yahuwah your Elohim and listen to what he says. For Yahuwah your Elohim is merciful Elohim. He will not fail you. You will not destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he swore to them. And I wanted to show this in the Hebrew because it reads a little bit differently than a lot of our translations with, with the emphasis, right? And it says, and you will turn to Yehovah your Elohim and obey his voice. Okay, and that's again while we're out in the land. So if you want to have an alternate rendering that's very literal on this verse in English, it would say in your, disp in your distress – when all these things have come upon you in the last days, when you return to Yahuwah your Elohim and obey his voice, for Yahuwah Elohim is a merciful Elohim, he will not fail you, destroy you, or forget the covenant with your ancestors that he swore to them. And so again, it's, it's, it's saying while we're out there, it'll happen. But when we do this, when we finally come to the realization that we have to listen to what he says and obey him because we want to be a part of his kingdom, that's when he extends his mercy, and he prepares us to come home. And so Moses continues on in verse 32, and he says, Indeed, inquire about the past. Before you were born, since the day that Elohim created human beings on the earth, from one end of the heaven to the other, has there been ever anything as wonderful as this? Has anyone ever heard anything like it? Right? Because it's like when the punishment is over and he's ready to bring us home and he's ready to establish his kingdom, it's quite wonderful. Right? And so... We can conclude in verse 39 that know today and establish it in our hearts, right? Our fully wholehearted devotion that Yahweh's Elohim in heaven above, above and on the earth below, there is no other. There, there is no Buddha, Brahma, Muhammad, all, all these other. They, he is Yahweh Sevaot, and there is no other, according to Deuteronomy 4:39, right? But the conclusion is, therefore, and there's this really great pastor that I knew. Uh, in Arlington, Texas, 
His name was Jeff Wickwire. And he always said this funny little phrase. He says, whenever you see a therefore in the scripture, you have to ask yourself, what's the therefore therefore, <laughs> right? And and that's really usually following a lot of detail or some, some really good points. But he's like, look, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. So Moses says, therefore, you are to keep his laws and his commandments, which I'm giving you today, so that it will go well with you and with your children after you, so that you will prolong your days in the land. It all relates to coming back into the land of Yehoah, your Elohim, is giving you forever. And so the Torah portion goes on to talk about the Ten Commandments. And here's what the people say. This is just amazing. Tell us everything that Yehoah, our Elohim, says to you, and we will listen to it and do it. And that's their attitude after they get that initial terms of the covenant, right? And then it continues on in, in verse 25 or verse 28, depending on what translation you're looking at. It says, Yehoah, I heard what you were saying when you spoke to me. And Yehoah said to me, I have heard what this people has said and speaking to you. And everything they've said is good, right? He says, it's a good thing that they said, we're going to hear him and we're going to do what he says, right? He's telling us that's a good thing. And then he says, oh, how I wish their hearts would stay like this always. And so I have to check my heart. If I'm saying all this has been nailed to a cross, it's been done away with, Paul showed us a new way, I have to check my heart because he says that it's a good thing to say that we will listen and do what he says, right? And he goes, and that they would fear me and obey my commandments, and so that it would go well with them and their children forever. So go and tell them to return to their tents, but you stand here with me, and I'll tell you all the commandments and laws and rulings which you are to teach them, so that they can obey them in the land that I'm giving to them as their possession. And so therefore, again, there's another therefore, you're to be careful to do as Yahweh your Elohim has ordered you, so that you will not deviate either to the left or to the right, and you are to follow the entire way which Yahweh your Elohim has ordered you, so that you will live and things go well with you, and you will live long in the land that you're about to possess. And and if we're in the days of the restoration of all things, and, and we have this this sense that there's a, a, a massive tumult going on across the world today, maybe he's preparing us to come home. And that would be a pretty amazing thing. And so when Yeshua was asked by the Pharisees, he said that they asked him, each one of them, and a lawyer said to him, talked to Yeshua, he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so Yeshua said, well, you shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. You know, right? He quotes this Torah portion, <laughs> this phrase from the Torah portion, that we will love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And this is the very first and great commandment. And the second is like it, that we will love our neighbor as ourselves. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he's revealing the essence of it. And so what does it mean to love Yahweh? And I know a lot of people listening have heard these verses before, but this is the whole point of this Torah portion. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is what the Messiah said. And if they're the commandments of Yehovah, and he's the Messiah of Yehovah, he's the voice of Yehovah, and he's, they're his commandments too. And he's saying, if you love me, you need to keep them, right? And, and he says, and he who has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I'll love him and manifest myself to him. Do you, do you want to see the Messiah? Do you want to have the manifestation of Yehovah in the flesh? To, to reveal himself to you? Well, this is part of the process because he comes to Israel when he returns. And so we're going to be there. And, and then, again, 
in First John, he says, this is the love of Yah, that we keep his commandments and they're not burdensome. I mean, we're told that it's a, a it's it's a, a heavy burden, a load. It's it's it, all these things. It's, it's not what the New Testament tells us, right? In Second John 1, 6, it says, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment that you heard from the beginning, from Bereshit. You know, fill the earth and you'll be fruitful and multiply. There's lots of commandments, but it's it's from the beginning, from the beginning of time, the beginning of his word, right? And then Paul even says in Romans three, do we make the do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. I mean, he couldn't be more emphatic. On the contrary, we establish the law, right? And because and here's the real issue that Paul gets to, and this is scary to me because I was hostile to this for a long time, right? But he says the carnal mind is enmity against Yah, for it is not subject to the law of Elohim, nor can it be. So if I have a hard time with the whole concept of, of that he has laws and commandments and that we should follow him, maybe my mind is too carnal, and maybe I should really ask him to help help me get through that so that I'll have a, a spiritual mind instead of a fleshly mind. And and this is from Paul, right? So again, and, and the Antichrist is called the lawless one. So when this mystery of lawlessness is at work, and the restrainer will continue to restrain him until he's taken out of a way, and then the lawless one's going to be revealed, in whom the Lord will consume with his breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power signs, lying wonders. So if we're if we're proclaiming a message of lawless, frankly, we're doing the work of Satan. And I would rather do the work of my Messiah and his heavenly father, who's our also heavenly father, right? So again, and he tells us in Matthew, when is this lawless one going to be revealed? And and I showed this graphic last week, and I, I wanted to go through it one more time, because Yeshua talks about the birth pains. There's going to be a lot of people coming in his name telling you that he's the Messiah, but then they're going to deceive you, right? It's because there's a level of trust that they're going to tell us the law has been done away with and it's bondage, even though the New Testament is very clear that that's not the case, right? But the, and, and, and frankly, Yeshua calls them deceivers, and that's pretty, pretty – and he says, don't be deceived. Don't listen to that, right? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be ethnic tension. Uh, you know, natural disasters. But in verse six, I love this. Yeshua says, look, see to it that you're not troubled. All of these things have to come to pass, you know, because when they do, it's preparing you to be ready to leave Egypt, <laughs> like the original Israelites had to leave Egypt. And so their birth pains, and then the kingdom will come, and the gospel of the kingdom will be gone in all the earth, and then the end will come. And that's when he gets into this man of lawlessness, this Torahlessness being revealed. And so, so this is where we're at, we're at the birth pains phase. And so uh, the, the, the one thing that Yeshua gave was this, uh, this, this account of the rich man and Lazarus. And, and I don't have to read the whole thing, but essentially what it boils down to is Lazarus died and there was a, a rich man that, that kind of ignored his needs while he was alive. And then the two of them, when they both had passed away, the rich man and Lazarus, you know, there's, they're in Abraham's bosom and they're having this conversation and, and Lazarus, I mean, uh, the rich man wants to go back and he says, look, please, Abraham, just send, send me back or send somebody back from the dead because they'll listen. You know, my, my brothers will listen. And, and here's what Abraham says to him. He says in verse 29, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear, obey, listen to them, the, pro the law and the prophets. And he said to him, but if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, well, they won't even be persuaded by one who rises from the dead. So he's like, they've got everything they need. But here's my point. Yeshua is the one who rose from the dead. Are we going to listen to him? 
right? And he says in Revelation 14, 12, here's the patience of the saints. These are the ones who keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Yeshua. Yeshua remained faithful all the way to the point of death, even death on a cross, a, a, something we can't even hardly imagine, the pain of what he had to go through. And then he promises also in Revelation 22, blessed are those who do his commandments because they will have the right to the tree of life and they may enter through the gates of the city. It's all about restoration and coming back to the physical kingdom, right? And again, what does it mean to love the Messiah? He tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so I think that's the essence of the case that Moses is laying out for the people. And I think it's very important today with all of the calamity and the fear and this uprising spirit of like Absalom <laughs> taking over the earth, right? With everybody in the uproar, the Lord is saying, look, it's, um, it's the time for the restoration of all things. And you're a part of that. You get to be part of the kingdom, but we have to do our part so that we can be ready when that door opens that we can come in. And so that's essentially what I wanted to cover from the Torah portion today, Rob. Hopefully that wasn't too long, and I'll uh, give everybody a chance for comments and, and other inputs. But I appreciate the opportunity to share this. Yeah, very good, Kevin. Thank you. If you would uh, unshare your screen for yes. us. Yes. I can get everybody back up on the screen here. Um, <clears throat> good stuff. Uh for those of you who want to go into uh, the discussion of keeping the commandments and whether or not we should be doing them, uh, I would point you to, let me switch over here, uh, the Ephraim Awakening website, EphraimAwakening.com. And in the main menu, if you just click on the tab that says commandments, I've got all the various uh, uh, articles, blogs, and stuff related to that you know what does it mean to keep the commandments how many commandments are we supposed to keep is it 10 or is it 613 all that uh, I wrote several blogs on the six, 10 verses the 613 my take on it I'll just tell you up front is I believe that Yeshua said we're two commandments right love the Lord your God with all your heart mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself um, and up on those two hang all the law and the prophets well I think the, the two summarize the 10, and the 10 summarize the 613. Uh, but just to put that in perspective, I wrote a blog back in, when was it, uh, 2014, Law Against the Law, and I was writing about, I just did some research on how many laws we have in the land here <laughs> in the United States. And uh, the United States Code occupies this much shelf space, the first shelf, 34.25 inches. The second shelf, 28.275 inches. And it's got a third shelf and several other shelves and, you know, full of volumes of laws that we're supposed to keep. And uh, I forget what year this was that talking about here, but uh, I think it was 2012 maybe. It says about 40,000 state laws taking into effect at the start of the new year. So, uh, so I mean, we think about the the amount of laws that we have in the land, and people want to complain about the six thirteen or the ten or the two. I'm <laughs> like, you know what? If we just did the ten, we wouldn't need forty thousand laws. <laughs> you know, and that's what I I got really out of this week's Torah portion is they're talking about you know what nation has a god like this that appears with signs and wonders and does all the things that he does and gives 10 simple rules that if we simply live by them, then everything's going to be okay. You know, you know, for, with the first four commandments really dealing with what it means to love and worship and honor a holy God, 
and the other six dealing with your fellow man. And then a question that often comes up, and I've seen it several times on my Facebook page this past week, is, well, it's impossible. We can't keep the law. And I'm like, then Moses was on crack. <laughs> I mean, go read this week's Torah portion. Uh, read the, the end of Deuteronomy, you know. In both cases, he's like, this is not too hard for you. And if you really think about the 613, I've said it before, even Yeshua couldn't keep the 613. Because a vast majority of the 613 are specifically related to Levites serving in the temple capacity. So just when you take all the commandments, the 613 are basically some rabbi at some point in history looked in the Torah and everywhere God said, do this or don't do that. He counted them up and it came up with 613. Um, But like I said, the vast majority of them deal with the Levitical priesthood and the tribe of Levi specifically doing priestly duties. So... If you're not in that category, the huge chunk of the 613 just got put aside. If you're a man, then all the commandments that are only related to women get set aside. If you're a woman, then pretty much all the rest of them (laughs) don't apply to you because, you know, a lot of them are are not all the rest of them, but many of the rest of them are specifically for men. Uh, Farmers, there's some that are specifically for farmers. There's some that are specific for kings ruling in the land. So if you're not a king ruling in the land, those don't apply to you. So when when all is said and done, when you go through the 613 and you find the ones that actually are applicable to you, what I found is pretty much uh, it boils down to the Ten Commandments, the feast, keeping the various feasts of Yahuwah, uh, things like seat seats, wearing the seat seats, and uh, the dietary laws. And a few other ones like, you know, don't have sex with sheep, you know, put up a fence on the roof so your neighbor doesn't fall off when he comes to visit you, you know, common sense kind of things like that. So, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, what's so hard about that, right? We, uh, we In standard Christianity, we've been taught, we can't keep the law. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, you can. Um, and it occurred to me a few times, maybe it was during this week's Torah portion, perhaps, I think it was in the early days when we were having uh, house fellowship at your house, Kevin, is I was, I was looking at the commands, especially, I mean, they reiterate them here in this week's Torah portion, mm-hmm. was like, especially on Shabbat, okay? For me, what does that typically look like? Well, I sleep in late, for one thing, <laughs> uh, get a lot of rest, um, and we'll typically do a Bible study like we're doing here today, uh, or, you know, go to your house and have the house fellowship or do what we're doing here in the virtual house church or whatever. Um, and then the rest of the day, I'm just relaxing. You know, sometimes I'll go for a walk at the nature preserve or just hang around the house or, you know, whatever, spend time with family, friends, or what have you. And I think to myself, okay, at the end of the day, and I look at the list, did I violate any of them? And to the best of my recollection, I, I would say, no, I don't believe I did. You know, uh, and as long as you keep your thoughts in check, because Yeshua raised the bar. I mean, we we have the Ten Commandments, which are physical acts, but Yeshua said, hey, you know, if you hate your neighbor, you know, you're guilty of murder, right? If you're you're lusting with your eyes, you're committing adultery in your heart, you know, things like that. So you know, check your actions and check your thoughts. And at the end of the day, you say, wow, I actually got through the day without sinning. And you think to yourself, well, if I can get through one day without sinning, maybe I can get through two. And then you think, well, maybe I can get through a week. You know, and you know, even if you can, and, and and we have First John too. He says, "These things I'm writing to you, dear children, that you do not sin." Next chapter, sin is defined as transgression of the law. First John chapter three, verse four. So, uh, and he says, "But if you do, you have an advocate. <laughs> Praise God." Praise Yahuwah. I gotta try to unchange myself from saying, uh, untrain myself from God. <laughs> Old habits, right? Praise Yahuwah, right? His name's not God. His name's not the Lord. You know, if I screw up, I have an advocate. 
Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, you you repent, you get your, you pick yourself back up, and you you move on. And what we see in this week's Torah portion is repeated statements about enormous blessing. <laughs> like if you just these things are there to bless you, to give you a long, healthy life, you know, and to prosper in the land. It's like, and I listen to Christians all the time on Facebook and everywhere else, and I'm like, man, you guys, you're like, no, I don't want blessings. <laughs> I don't get it, man. Anyway, good stuff, Kevin. All right, Jake. Thank you, Rob. Jake, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, this Torah portion is is one of those that really helps emphasize why it's a value to do Torah portion studies uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, the first of being um, we have the this premise that there's a prophet that was supposed to come likened unto Moses. And, and of course, we know, you know, looking back in time that Yeshua was that prophet uh, who came and, and he, he really did have a lot of things about him that parallel Moses and uh, and something interesting um, in this Torah portion that that ties to that is in Deuteronomy 4 2 um, which is you know something you guys were bringing up and Kevin brought up in his presentation is uh, you shall not add to uh, the words which I command you neither shall you diminish aught from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you uh, so this phraseology, really, really quick, is why I believe it's important to have the Book of Revelation in your, you know, in your canon. That you know believers could benefit from reading the Book of Revelation because um, there's an interesting parallel we have here um, in Deuteronomy 4:2 with the message from uh, Yeshua, the 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 revelation of of Christ that uh, we have written down here from the Apostle John. Um, but it says. Uh, here at the end of the book of Revelation, the same warning uh, that you see Moses gives to the children of Israel, which is just another parallel here, um, where he says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the book. So uh, that in itself is just a, you know, a tiny parallel that we can show, wow, there is, a, you know, some interesting similarities here. Um, but there's a deep and important principle that uh, we can draw out of that more so than just drawing a parallel between Moses and Yeshua, you know. And, and, and of course, you know, just to reiterate the reason, um, the reason it was important to, uh, uh, to do tour portions and stuff like this is because at the end of the book of Malachi, uh, it talks about how um, uh, the day of the Lord is very explicitly described here in chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, and then it, it, it wraps up saying in verse 4, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments. Behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And ye shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And, uh, and and I think this is important because we find today a lot of people are realizing that uh, if Satan uh, can be associated with the thief in the parable in John 10, uh, who comes to still kill and destroy, while Yeshua is the good shepherd, he's he's the gate, and if anyone enters through him, will be saved. Satan is coming to steal, kill, 
and destroy. And and the first thing that I would uh, just assume Satan's going to try to steal are, are things that are going to bring blessing and uh, bring uh, a revelation of the character of God in our life if we practice them. And, and that's why, Rob, you were talking about how uh, the vast majority of Christians, they'll say, yeah, you should keep the Ten Commandments. And, and it's really only things like the feasts or the dietary commandments or, or tzitzits that are kind of left by the wayside. Those are, are some of those ceremonial laws that Moses came down. And, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But wouldn't it make sense that um, those commandments that now, as you know, after the fact, we've realized there's so much uh, beauty and uh, importance in walking those things out because they teach us uh, a lot about the character of our Father in Heaven um, when we obey. Just like uh, if you didn't keep the, pas- uh, the Feast of Passover, you wouldn't be practicing getting the leaven out of your home. And so the beautiful picture of, of re- physically removing leaven from your home, which represents uh, spiritually removing sin from your, from your life, uh, you know, we wouldn't be practicing those things. And, and that's why Satan would want us to think, oh, the Passover and the feasts of the Jews are for the Jews. And, and that's why Satan would come to steal those commandments. And so um, a lot of Christians today will say, well, we only keep the Ten Commandments. Um, and, you know, that ties back to what Jesus said, that the two most important commandments, which is love God and love your neighbor. Um, and, uh, and of course that's in, uh, Matthew 22, uh, 36 through 40, where, you know, he, he says on these hang all the law and the prophets in verse 40. And so, um, whenever we look at the 10 commandments, did you know that, um, when all the people stood at the, the base of Mount Horeb and the, the fire of the Lord had come down on the mountain and there was trumpetings. And all the people stood before. They, they were all told to, to mikvah and, and to prepare themselves for those uh, few days before. And, uh, and they're all standing there. And from the mountain, the mouth of God uh, speaks the Ten Commandments down to the people. And uh, it was in this instant that they were so afraid. And, and this example is in um, Exodus. Uh, let, me, let me pull it up. Exodus 34.27. Um, is uh, it, it, Exodus 34 is the this account where they're all hearing these these commandments shouted down, um, but basically the people are so scared, they're so terrified that they're hearing the voice of God Almighty of a uh, Yahuwah, you know, he's speaking these commandments that they say, hold up Moses, we don't want to hear any more of these words, we want you to go up and get the rest of them because you know what is it that we just normal people uh, are able to, you know, hear the voice of God. Um, and, uh, and we see that in, in this Torah portion, Deuteronomy chapter five, kind of that account where they're like, okay, Moses, you go get the rest of them. And, and the Lord says in Exodus 34, 27, um, that he is going to write out these words for after the tenor of these words, I've made a covenant with thee and with Israel. So, uh, what Moses goes up to the mountain to get from God Almighty uh, is uh, is after the tenor or the frequency, you know, of those Ten Commandments that all the people hear. And, uh, and, and you know, of course, in those Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, for example. You know, the, these are, are things that the people would have heard. And then when they sent Moses up, uh, the things that he got were 
you know, perhaps all of these uh, different laws and commandments that expound on how to love God and how to love your neighbor. And, uh, and it, I find it fascinating that it talks about that those things are after the tenor. In, uh, in Exodus 34, 27, we can see uh, this word, tenor. Um, and it's, uh, let, me, let me look here real quick. It's uh, Exodus 34, 27. Um, and uh, this word tenor is, you know, it's the flavor. It's the same. It's the same frequency. It's all the same premise, which ties back to how all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments: love God and love your neighbor, because they're they're all an expansion on how to actually uh, walk that out in our lives. And so, um, you know, this is important because we see that. What Yeshua came preaching is not some new commandment. It's not some new doctrine. Uh, but according to um, John, it says, uh, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And, and we, we understand what this doctrine is in Proverbs uh, 4.2. It says, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. And that's why in this Torah portion, Deuteronomy 4.2 is, is so explicit. That's why it's saying, You shall not add unto the word which I command you, and neither shall you diminish off from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Uh, because these are the doctrine. These are the way that God gives us uh, you know, protection and blessing in our life. So um, it, it all boils down to me with the principle of free choice. Uh, in our life, God has given us this opportunity to choose to love him, or we can also go the opposite direction and, and, and choose wickedness. We can choose to, to please ourselves or, or to put our, our own desires above what he would have for us. And that's why his commandments are so important. That's why they're a light to your path and a, and a lamp to your feet. And, uh, and why he, he's saying over and over, this, they bring blessing, they bring protection, they bring all these different things. Not, not because these are the things we do to get into, you know, get into heaven, you know, because that's why we need the reconciliation of, of the Messiah to bring together a perfect, uh, a perfect God with imperfect man. That's why we need him to be the, you know, the, the good shepherd and the gate, you know, in John 10. Um, uh, but, but then again, the, the, the commandments are how, uh, we can submit our lives to God who, who's not going to control you. He's gonna, not going to force you to do things that please him. But he's going to give you the choice to, and and whenever we start to walk out his commandments, we're allowing him to work through and in our lives, um, because we're walking obediently to his word, and that's how he protects us in this this state of reality where we have free will. We have the 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 choice to turn away, or we have the the choice to obey. And whenever we are obeying, uh, because uh, he's the divine physician, because he's the one who who um, you know has created all this? He knows what's best for us, and by simply uh, submitting our lives and obeying, um, which is what we learn uh, in this Torah portion in Deuteronomy six, we get the the Shema, which is a a very famous prayer in in Jewish synagogues, at least that I had never heard of, at least in, until the past uh, five or six years. Uh, but the Shema is this prayer, this this call to action for the people of God. Uh, to simply hear and obey. That's what the Shema is meaning and, and what it means. And I heard a rabbi uh, talking, he's a, a Temple Institute rabbi who was making a commentary on, 
on the Shema. And he basically broke the word down like this uh, to shh, hmm, and ah. So <laughs> the word itself describing the process that God is calling the children of Israel to do. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and maybe read the Shema here in a second. But, but that process of being quiet, shh, thinking about the commandment, hmm, hmm, and ah, okay, ah. And, and then, you know, of course, the process of just obeying it, just doing it. And so um, the Shema is in Deuteronomy 6. And, uh, and it starts Deuteronomy 6, 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love Yahuwah thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and, walk them, and, and talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. And this is reminiscent of what we read at the end of Malachi chapter 4, which is like, hey, remember the, the Torah, the, the commandments you know, that were given to Moses at Mount Horeb, lest he come and smite the earth with a curse. And, uh, and that's why this is such an important process to, to read through the, the Decalogue and, and, and read through the commandments that uh, reveal this character and nature of God and, and how to physically and practically walk out the, the greatest commandments, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do you do that in a practical way? Because we can all kind of make it up, you know, you know just philosophize of how, uh, uh, you know, this action is more loving than that action. Or we can just look at the definition, which just cuts through all the, the wonder and cuts through all the just the guesswork. And gives us a foundation that we can base our our lives off of, and uh, and when we have that foundation, which is, uh, you know, walking our lives out uh, in an imitation of of Christ's life, uh, because you know if we say we know Him, we should walk also as He walked, is what First John talks about. And so, the example of of walking a righteous life can be unpacked and examined through the Torah and and also through the life of Yeshua. And so when those things are brought together, uh, you don't have anybody adding to the Word of God or, or taking away from it. Instead, you have this beautiful balance of, of just simply seeing it commanded and just going, okay, I'm going to obey. I'm going to apply that in my life. I might not understand it, but uh, sometimes that's the greatest act of obedience where you don't have an understanding of why you might need to do the commandment, 
But if it's for you and he's he's addressing you as a children of God, as as somebody who wants to be part of the covenants of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then then the sometimes just saying, you know what, I don't understand, but I'm willing to do it, uh, is how we have that faith of Abraham, because that's what we see exemplified in his life. And then, of course, we have that, that kind of call to action in the, in the uh, epistles um, and, and the writings uh, that, that make that connection with the faith of Abraham and, and the faith that we're all called to believe and obey and, uh, and show our love for the redemption that's been freely offered to us through the Messiah. So... Uh, that was my little spiel, guys. <laughs> ah. Mm. ah. <laughs> I like that, man. That's cool. That's good. All right. Juan Carlos, saving the best for last, right? What? what? I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you know what? I'm, I, first of all, what I, what I have to say, guys, that I'm really enjoying the Virtual House Church. Yeah, thank uh, you. We have been saying this uh, in, the last, uh, in the last weeks, but... Uh, it's not only because of the fellowship we are all having together and reading the word of Yahuwah. Amen. Uh, what I what I what I find amazing is that uh, no matter that we we don't have the chance to talk before and to to somehow to to understand what each one of us is gonna share. Uh, it's amazing how the ruach is, is touching you, Kevin, you, Rob, you, Jake, and just to talk about the to touch some of the same points that. Uh, that he says he's willing, willing us to talk. And why I'm saying that? Because, you know, like always, I have my, my notes. <laughs> I take my notes uh, during the Shabbat morning in order to prepare for the virtual house. <laughs> and both of you have ha- been talking and touching some of the same points that I, I was taking notes. And this is only the Ruach HaKodesh working, working through us. And just all praise to, to Yahuwah for, for this. So... Yeah, just to, to, to tackle some of the, the points you, you mentioned, uh, you know, there is an amazing description of what the love to Yahuwah is in this portion. And we don't need to go to, to the Brit Hadashah, to the New Testament. It's just reading this one. We see the amazing connection to, to the two of them. And this is in the chapter 5, verse 10 of uh, Deuteronomy. And it says the following, but showing loving commitment to thousand to those who love me and guard my commandments. So we see the amazing connection, Yahuwah himself giving us the description what uh, loving him means is by guarding his commandments. And and some 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 of the some of the, the topics you, you mentioned, Kevin, and and, and that's the, the, the amazing thing of studying the word of Yahuwah is that this is the big puzzle uh, ever. So, so you, you can you can find a piece here, the piece there, and just connecting those pieces, you you can see the full picture. Is that uh, I see salvation, and you touched this at the beginning of your presentation, Kevin. I see salvation as two steps, and and this is written in how Yahuwah in the same portion is written how Yahuwah was taking out Israel from Egypt, is to bring them out in order to bring them in to the promised land. And all of this, as it is written in this portion, is because of his favor, and not only because of that, and we talked about this in the previous uh, previous uh, weeks, it's about the, 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 the oath and the, the vow Yahuwah took with Abraham, Jishak, and Yaakov, that he is not going to break his oath, he's going to fulfill it until the end. So, so everything is about favor, but there is a, a common denominator, 
and this is so important because it's all over the place in this Torah portion, that no matter of the grace and favor of Yahuwah, that he is the one taking us, take, taking us out, and he's going to be the one bringing us into the promised land. And we know that the promised land is the, is the synonym of the, the kingdom of Yahuwah. This is, the, this is the gospel that Yahushua uh, brought to the earth. It's about the kingdom of Elohim. So, so this is our reward and it's going to be our inheritance. This is what we are in this race in order to get to this, uh, to this place, in order to get in. So, but what's the common denominator? Is the obedience. Because if we are disobedient, we're not going to inherit, inherit the land. It's exactly the same thing that happened with Israel in the past, that by the grace and the favor of Yahuwah, they were able to get out of bondage. They were through the 40 years throughout the, the wilderness, but none of them, not all of them, were able to inherit and to get in into the kingdom. Why was that? Because of disobedience. And, and this is the, the, the amazing part of this, uh, this uh, Torah portion, because uh, what's, what's Torah? And, uh, and, and what's the purpose of Torah? And, you know, I was taking some notes because I, I was sharing the same thing with my family in the last week. And we see the description in the chapter 4, verse 1 of this uh, Deuteronomy. And it's just the following. And now, O Israel, listen to the laws and the right rulings, which I am teaching you to do, so, to do, so that you live and shall go in and possess the land which Yahuwah Elohim of your fathers is giving you. The purpose of Torah is about life. Because if we keep the commandment of Yahuwah and we do the commandment of Yahuwah, it says that so that you live was the promise of Yahushua HaMashiach, his eternal life. So, so we see this amazing connection that by keeping the Torah of Yahuwah is the promise that we are going to live. And we see the same thing actually in the, um, in the same chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says the following, Your eyes have seen what Yahuwah did at Baal Peor, for Yahuwah your Elohim has destroyed from your midst all the men who follow Baal Peor. This is about obedience or disobedience. We talked about this in the previous uh, virtual house in the last weeks. But you who are clinging to Yahuwah, your Elohim, are alive today. Every one of you. We say this, if we are obedient to the word of Yahuwah, if we are obedient to the way of Yahuwah, we have the promise of having a eternal life, to have a, this life that he's promising to all of us. We see exactly the same thing in the chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, verse 32 and 33. It says the following, For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you since the day that Elohim created man on the earth, and ask from one end of the heavens to the other end of the heavens, whether there has been a word as great as this, or has been heard like it, Sorry, I'm reading the four, so let me go to five. What? what? It's five, thirty-two, and thirty-three. Uh, okay, yeah. Of the Deuteronomy. Okay. It says the following: And you shall guard to do as Yahuwah your Elohim has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Again, it's obedience. Walk in all the ways which Yahuwah your Elohim has commanded you, so that you live and it be well with you, and you should prolong your days in the land which Yahuwah. Uh, the language you possess. So, so everything that we see in this portion, and what uh, the revelation we see in this portion, that what is the Torah about? It's about life. 
and it's exactly connected to uh, the the message that Yahushua brought to this earth. And one one thing that also caught my my attention is that uh, I'm still hearing some people that they're doing this difference between the light, the the law of Christ, the law of Moses, the 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 law of Yahuwah, and they they see this as a totally different things. And uh, you know, I see a so strong support from Yahuwah to the word of uh, of Moses that uh, that to understand that everything that Moses received is coming from the mouth of Yahuwah. And, and what's the perfect example is exactly what you were uh, sharing with us uh, in a moment uh, ago, Jake. It's about the Shema, Shema Yisrael, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Yahuwah Echad. And uh, we see that this is the most important commandment in the words of Yahushua. And actually Judaism today is also teaching the same thing. That this is the first and most important commandment. So we see that this commandment is not in the 10 words. It wasn't written in the two tablets of stone. It was the one received and written by the hand of Moshe. And if we see Yahushua HaMashiach telling us that this is the most important commandment in the whole Torah, is basically giving a strong support to what Moshe delivered to the people of Israel and giving us a, a clear picture that everything that Moshe received and everything that is written in the Torah of Yahuwah is applicable to all of us. And is the way that Yahuwah was revealing through Moshe and through all the prophets. And it's the way that Yahushua was teaching us that we need to walk following his steps. So, so, so that's the amazing, amazing thing that uh, I see in this uh, in this Torah portion. Naturally, even even to that point, if we go to the book of Mark, chapter twelve. And actually, this is the the reading, one of the reading in the Brihadasha for this portion. And we see in the in the verse 32, actually it's coming from the 28 to the to the 34, is basically uh, it's the Shema. No, I think I took it wrong. No, that's but right. uh, it's, it's basically it's, it's yeah. here in the 29. Yeah, 29. Exactly. Yes. So it's basically is the whole story of Yahushua speaking with the scribe, and the scribe is tempting Yahushua and asking him who was the first commandment. And the answer from Yahushua is exactly what I what I was telling before is the Shema Israel. But you know what I what I found fascinated, fascinating is in the verse 34. Because after the the scribe was Answering Yahushua, Yahushua says the following in the verse 34. And when Yahushua saw that he answered wisely, the scribe answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the reign of Elohim. So what Yahushua is saying, that by keeping the commandments, by the answer of the scribe, that this is the most important commandment, he is getting near to the kingdom of heaven. What was the scribe missing at that point? was missing only one thing that is written in Revelation, was the witness of Yahushua HaMashiach, because we need the two things, is to keep the commandments in order to get closer to the reign of Elohim, but also we need to have the witness of Yahushua here in our hearts. But, uh, you know, these kind of things are so amazing because we see indirectly sometimes how Yahushua is reinforcing the message 
that the commandments and keeping the Torah is so important. And the, and the last thing that I want to share to, so far, because I have more stuff, but I, I would like to hear from, from you guys as well. Uh, we see about uh, uh, an interesting uh, message from Yahushua, uh, giving the support to Moshe as well, that uh, who is the one is going to accuse us to the Father? And, uh, and I want to go to the, to the Torah portion first. And this is in the chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, verse 23 to 26. And this is when Moshe is saying that, that uh, we need to guard ourselves not to forget the covenant. This is in the, in the verse 33, and let me read it for you. It says, guard, guard yourself lest you forget the covenant of Yahuwah, your Elohim, which he made with you, and shall make for yourselves a carved image in any form, as Yahuwah, your Elohim, has commanded you. For Yahuwah, your Elohim, is a consuming fire, a yellow cell. When you bring forth children and grandchildren, and shall grow old in the land, and shall do corruptly, and make a carved image in the form of whatever, and shall do what is evil in the eyes of Yahuwah, your Elohim, to provoke him, I shall call the heavens and the earth to witness against you on that day that you soon completely perish from the land which you pass over the Jordan to possess. So it's Moshe the one that is saying as soon as we are departing and going astray from the way of Yahuwah, he is the one that is going to call the heavens and the earth to witness against us, against the people of Yahuwah. And, and what's the connection uh, with Yahushua? If we go to the book of uh, John, Yahuhanan in Hebrew, this is the book of John, chapter 5. This is also one of the confrontations that Yahushua used to have with the Pharisees and the scribes. And this is chapter 5, verse 45 to 47. It reads the following, Yahushua speaking, Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moshe, in whom you have set your expectation, Moses, in whom, in whom you have set your expectation. For if you believe Moses, you will have believed me, since he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how shall you believe my words? And, and this is so amazing because we see a total connection to this portion. In one end, Moses saying that he is going to call the heavens and the earth to witness against us in case we depart from the way of Yahuwah. And we see in the other, then, in the other end, Yahushua HaMashiach saying that we have one accuser to the Father, and this is Moses. And why Moses is going to accuse us? He's going to accuse us in case we depart from the way of Yahuwah. And he's giving the strong support to Moses saying that Moses wrote about him. And in order to believe in Yahushua, first we need to believe in the words written by Moses. And what Moses was written about is about the Torah of, uh, of Yahuwah. So, so, you know, everything is connected to salvation. Everything is connected to obedience. Everything is connected to following Yahushua's steps. Everything is connected to be able to have the reward, the, uh, to inherit the, the kingdom of Yahuwah if we have if we take the hands of Yahushua, if we are under the grace of Yahuwah, but also if we are obedient, 
to the way of Yahuwah, uh, loving Yahuwah with all our hearts, with all, all our being. And what is that? Is keeping the commandments of uh, Yahuwah. So everything is about life. That's what I have so far, guys. I, I want to talk about other stuff, but uh, let's go step by step, little by little. <laughs> yeah, that's great, Juan Carlos. That's awesome. Uh, let me put up the screen here. A couple things caught my attention uh, as you were talking. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't understand why people want to buck the system, so to speak. Why they, they just don't want to obey God when we see that the reason and the whole purpose behind it is right there in this week's Torah portion, Deuteronomy 5.33. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, <laughs> and that ye may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. I mean, it's, you know, it's like Star Trek, right? Live long and prosper. Well, <laughs> how do you how do you live long and prosper? Well, you obey God. Like, the, the fact that I have to argue with people on Facebook about this is astounding to me. <laughs> like, what, what part of this is not appealing to you, you know? Um, and then the other thing that you pointed out, uh, one was um, in, in that John passage, wow, I mean, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. And then that next verse, for had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Uh, wow. Um, I remember in my early walk getting into this, I was reading in the uh, the end of the Gospel of Luke, where she was walking on the road to Emmaus with these guys, and they don't recognize him. And it says that he began with Moses and the prophets to explain who he was. And if you read the end of the book of Acts, Paul's doing the same thing. He's in a rented house, the last chapter of Acts, and it says that he's beginning with Moses to tell people who Yeshua was. Now, I would venture this is probably the same for pretty much everybody listening here. Most of us could maybe, maybe, maybe make a case for, for our Messiah from select passages of the Old Testament. Otherwise, most people are just going to use the Gospels, you know, Acts, Romans, things like that, uh, to make a case for Yeshua. You know, maybe Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53, you know, threw a few things in there. You know, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, maybe a few prophecies. But very few people could make a solid case for Yeshua, I think, in standard Christianity from the Old Testament, but much less from the first five books, from the books of Moses. And, and that was a, very concerning to me at that time. When I consider myself, you know, a, a pretty devout Christian, I had been saved since age seven, walked in, you know, in some form of ministry pretty much my entire life, starting with vacation Bible school in my parents' front yard, starting Bible studies in our secular school, eventually teaching Sunday school, and then becoming a missionary. So, you know, in some form of ministry my entire life, in, in, in the Word, doing one-year reading Bible, you know, one-year Bible reading programs and stuff like that, I couldn't make a case for my Messiah from Moses, and yet Yeshua himself starts with Moses, and we see him saying that right there in that passage in John, where he's like, Moses wrote of me, and so it became my prayer uh, right around the time that Kevin and Amanda invited Sheila and I to come to our first Torah study, was, okay, Father, show me whatever, I wish I somebody had a tape recorder to record that conversation that Yeshua had on the road to Emmaus. Um, in, in some ways I do, but in other ways, it's been an exciting journey 
trying to figure it out. Uh, and, you know, now we're going on 10 years of doing these Torah studies and finding more and more <laughs> of him every year. Uh, now I recognize he's all over the Torah. And and even more so when you start looking into the Aleph Tav thing. And we've had our friend Chad that used to uh, do the uh, the so-called Et Watch <laughs> in our Bible studies uh, when we did it at Kevin Amanda's house. Our friend Chad had a, one of the Aleph Tav scriptures. And Aleph Tav is the Alpha and Omega. It's pronounced Et. And so whenever we were going through the various uh, readings, uh, he would find when, wherever the, the et was uh, inserted. And, ooh, et watch! And just finding out, like, how much Yeshua is a part of the feasts and how much the things represent him. And then when you combine that with, like, the et watch, man, he's, he's all over the place. And so, you know, I think this is one of the big reasons why we're doing Virtual House Church, because in my opinion, there is a huge ministry to the church itself because so many of the church don't get this. They think their Bible begins with Matthew or worse, they think the only book in their Bible is Galatians. And look, we love Galatians, but you got to understand Galatians in the context of what Paul understood. If you don't understand what Paul read, you'll never understand what Paul wrote. Um, and so I, you know, I appreciate you bringing these things out. And then one final thing, and I'll turn it back over to the group here, but that's in Revelation 12 because, you know, Let's face it, people are watching the signs of the times, right? Uh, and many people are thinking, yeah, I mean, we're like right on the edge of the mark of the beast and, you know, all kinds of things seem to be playing out such that it feels like we probably don't have a whole lot of time left. Well, all the more reason why we should be getting on God's page then, especially if there's not a pre-trip rapture. Look, if there's a pre-trip rapture, I will be glad, I will be jacked out of my mind, super excited to be wrong. I hope I am wrong. This is one of those cases where I will say uh, to up front to everybody, I hope I am wrong. I'll high-five you pre-trippers all the way up. Woohoo! I was wrong, but I don't believe I am. I don't believe there is a pre-trip rapture. I believe we're going to go through this thing, and if we're going to go through this thing, then it would behoove us to get on God's page, because the only way to survive it is to be as close to Him as possible. You know, and I do believe that there are people who are going to be martyred. Uh, they're going to lose their heads, uh, literally, over this issue. There, there are tri clearly tribulation saints that are going to be martyred. But I also see another group that's going to be protected. And so, you know, we see things like the Church of Philadelphia, you know, being spared. And, and Yeshua saying in, uh, I think it's Matthew 24, you know, talking about that you may escape these things that are coming. And we see the, the woman in the wilderness that's protected. You know, I... Look, I want to be in that group, <laughs> you know. Uh, if I'm not in that group and I end up, my head rolls down the street, okay, great. Then I get to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's what it says in Revelation 20. So it's, it really is a win-win either way, but there's kind of an easier way, I think. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, Father, give me the strength, grace, and courage to go through whatever lies ahead. But this is what I want to point out, and that's in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I mean, it doesn't get any more point blank in your face <laughs> direct than that. You know, people are all over Facebook right now trying, we don't need to be keeping the, the even in the comments of some of these virtual house church things, you know. Christian, you're spitting on the cross and, you know, this is heresy and, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, I just read it to you. 
it's almost as if First John chapter two through five does not exist in these people's Bibles because First John two says if you're going to claim to be in Him, then you should walk as he's, as He walks. And anyone who says that they are in Him but doesn't keep the commandments, then he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I didn't say that. John said that. John so, said that. so I mean, this is the reason why we should be doing this, in in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, I think it's critically important that we should be doing these things because that's how we're going to get into Psalm 91 mode. Psalm 91, you know, uh, like I showed you earlier uh, on the Virtual House Church page where John William Galt is reading that, being in the in the wings of the shelter of the Almighty. Well, the only way to have life and blessing and, and prosper is to obey God. And I don't understand why people want to... <laughs> not do that. I really don't. Um, one of the things that did show up in the chat room, though, uh, and maybe I'll open this up for you guys to talk a little bit about, um, do we need to be circumcised? Now, that's the Acts 15 argument, is that there were Judaizers that were of the sect, uh, probably of the Pharisees, going around saying, you have to be circumcised to be saved. That's the key. They're saying, in order to be saved, you need to be circumcised. And Paul's like, no, that's not true. And they had this little council meeting, and then they, you know, they, they established a set of rules that were basically the minimum requirements for these pagan Gentiles you know, that are starting to be introduced to this gospel to have fellowship with them on the Shabbat. It says, you know, these are the these are the requirements. You abstain from this and that, and this way they could come into their house of worship where they will hear Moses preached everywhere in every city on the Shabbat. So, you know, they have minimum requirements just to get in there so that they could fellowship. And then while they're fellowship, they're going to hear about uh, Moses, who taught about Yeshua, and they're going to hear the gospel preached to them. Now, what what do we do with the circumcision issue? Now, Yes, it's circumcision with the mind, circumcision with the heart, spiritual circumcision. I am personally of the opinion that there's still physical circumcision required if you want to keep Passover. If you read about Passover, it says, look, don't don't partake of Passover unless you're circumcised. That's the that's a requirement. Not for salvation, but to keep the feast of Passover. And so, same thing with the, the feast. We don't keep the feast for salvation. We don't keep the commandments for salvation. They should be a natural byproduct of salvation. If you have his law written on your heart and mind, it should compel you to want to do it. And when you understand all the feasts are all about him, you know, the way you used to do Xmas and Ishtar Day, Christmas and Easter, you should want to do the, the seven feasts of Yahuwah. But the catch is, if you're a male and you want to participate in Passover, the commandment is that you need to be circumcised commandment for Passover, not for salvation. Uh, so that becomes a that becomes a hard issue uh, as to whether or not you want to make it a physical issue so that you could partake in Passover. Well, it is my belief that the when Yeshua said, do this in remembrance of me, he wasn't making up something new called communion. We call it the Last Supper, but the reality of it is he was having Passover with his disciples. He said, I long to have this Passover meal. I, I couldn't wait to eat this Passover meal with them. After they ate, he has this discussion. And he says, you know, do this in remembrance of me. The this that they were doing, that they were going to do in the future, would be in remembrance of him was Passover. And if you want to do that as a believer, as a male, then you need to be physically circumcised. But I uh, wanted to see if anybody else had any take on that. 
uh, any of you guys had anything, any thoughts on that regard? Yeah, I, I can add, Rob, that, you know, when you mention about uh, circumcision and Passover, I mean, that's a that's a very much a direct uh, association. And, and we may have had people that participated in a, a trial run mm-hmm. of, of Passover, you know, that maybe haven't been circumcised in the flesh. But again, the context that I believe that we're looking at is everything when it comes back into the land, because to, to fully follow the commandment of Passover, it involves being back in the land. Correct. And there's a, an entire protocol to do that. And if you want to participate in that, you have to be circumcised. And we are commanded to return to Israel every festival. Right. And so it's a little bit financially impossible for a lot of people to do that um, these days. But the day will come when when. You know, Jeremiah 3.18 says that Ephraim will join together with Judah and they will come from the north country to the beautiful land. All throughout the scripture, you know, this greater exodus, they won't even talk about the original exodus. It, it, it really is. So, so the question is, is if you want to be a part of the kingdom physically when the restoration of all things takes place before the Messiah returns, um, then if you're not circumcised in the flesh now— Maybe when you can go to a doctor's office or go through a process where you can get some sedatives, you know, you might find yourself by the Euphrates River in the North Country, and that's a prerequisite for coming back in. So you might want to, you know, delayed obedience is not always disobedience, but uh, <laughs> but if, if we have a, a mindset that we're going to come back into the be a part of this kingdom, there are some requirements, and it's hard for us to accept that when we spiritualize everything we don't want to physically do that's mentioned in the Bible, and we make physical the things that oftentimes are spiritual principles. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is it's it's very similar to the concept of Christian baptism. And I mean, I had a really awesome pastor that once said, you know, when he was talking about he wasn't sure if people are saved if they've never been baptized. And he said it's a matter of obedience. You know, Christ said we have to be baptized. And, and he goes, and so to, for the believer that's never been baptized, I'm really not sure if they're saved or not. And I have a, I, to this day, I have a tremendous effect on, or, or respect for that pastor. And, uh, but, but I, it almost sounded like uh, a, a message of uh, salvation by baptism, which is, seems like what the, the Pharisee group was saying, salvation by circumcision. And I say yes to both, <laughs> right? We should be immersed in water. It's an outward expression of an inward change is, is kind of how the phrase goes. How much more so uh, circumcision, right? But if you want to be a physical part of a physical kingdom that is promised that literally will come, according to multiple prophets, including Yeshua himself, when he says this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the earth, and then the end will come, you might want to seriously consider getting it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's easy <laughs> to do. That's right. Versus out in the wilderness when you got to go get some flint and a rock or something. That could be a bit of a... And, and, and I'll give a testimony, too. I'm not going to name any names, um, but we had we had one, one guy that uh, he was in his 50s at the time, and he felt the same conviction about getting circumcision over uh, before Passover. And he asked me about it, and there was a doctor in Fort Worth that would take care of that procedure for uh, mature males, which is a lot more complicated than an eight-year-old baby. And, um, and he did it, but he came to me asking about it, and, and I was in support of it. And the truth of the matter is, is his health insurance plan didn't cover all of everything. So uh, several of us got together, we threw in some money, and we helped cover it, and we went to the hospital with him. And, you know, he got it done, and he was he was just felt like he just wanted to be in alignment with the Word. Nobody pushed it on him. 
nobody said you can't come to our Passover, you know, walk through, <laughs> you know, uh, practice before then. It was just something that was a conviction on his heart. And we honored that. And, and I think that the Lord honors it when his children try to be obedient to him. And so anyway, uh, I, I've seen it every which way, you know, sometimes it's been teenagers they, they get on board pretty quickly about things like this. Sometimes it's older men. And, you know, a lot of people, when they have babies, it's it's kind of natural in our country at this time. Although the laws are coming out in certain cities where they're prohibiting it. Um, and and so it's it's it, 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 we just going to have to make a choice. Are we going to stand with the word of our Heavenly Father or not, ultimately? Yeah, uh, and I appreciate you bringing something up that I failed to bring up. And that's the fact that what we are attempting to do with regard to the feast, we are only doing as rehearsals right now because we can't. And uh, actually, Zach Bauer's got some really good videos on that, and several of them are, in fact, posted on the Virtual House Church website. Uh, in fact, let me think. I think I got a whole page actually dedicated just to the issue of Passover. Um, if you go to virtualhousechurch.com, yep, and scroll down to where it says Passover, uh, it looks like some of this may need to be updated. Some of these discussions came up actually at the uh, Virtual House Church Live that we did uh, uh, for Passover with NIUC TV uh, and some of the other things. Can't Keep Passover is a video that uh, Zach did, and there's other teachings here you know, all about that. And then this was a fun one, Kevin. You may remember when we did the, the reenactment of Passover and the plagues and let my people go. Uh, the Road Adventure is a ministry that... Uh, we were both involved with and uh, they had a really good facility it's actually where we had our wedding reception too um, but we uh, they, they let us graciously let us use their facility and we had a, a lot of people there uh, and we reenacted uh, the plagues and we had music and that's uh, was that you Kevin was it was it me and you well, it, who was, there, there are several of us uh, but I no, did who get played, one I, of the plastic frogs in my eye no. and, <laughs> oh yeah and the young man that uh, that did the uh, he dressed as Moses. He had a British accent. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why right. people go. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, that's right. It, it would be more of a Hebrew accent, probably. You know, but we had a lot of fun with that. But hey, that's the point is to is to get engaged with the Word and and appreciate what our Heavenly Father did, and to know that if He did these things in the past, what much how much more miraculous is it going to be in the future? How awesome is He? So it was a, it was a very fun time. Yeah, we had a, we had a good. I'm trying to remember. I think I played Moses when we did that, uh, and the other guy played Aaron. Yes, that's right. It was it was it had been reversed because I had the. Uh, I, had, oh. I remember. I, so I had, it was you with the British accent, Rob. No, it wasn't me with the, that. Was wasn't me with the British <laughs> accent. It was me with the, actually a Santa Claus beard and <laughs> uh, wig and the whole deal. Uh, uh, but that was a lot of fun um, that we did there. But anyway. Uh, so there's information on you know, how to keep Passover and all that on this page right here on the uh, Passover page if you guys are interested in learning more about it. But it is important hey, Rob, to point out that— Can I mention one thing? Mm -hmm. I, I want to mention one thing about that specific Passover event that, that just to me still deeply is burned in my soul was so important. Um, there was a very famous uh, trombonist. Oh, yeah. His name was Samuel Salter. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this man— 
when he he basically he wrote a book he goes from show business to god's business right and this was back in the the 60s where he lived in a big city in philadelphia when he was a young man and he he played big band type music for for big name people liberace uh I, I, he just went on and on I, the 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 credentials he had were amazing he was italian and and he he married a jewish woman when he was younger and and they they both of their families had difficulty with that and and they led pretty much a, a christian life because they sold out they he literally they got out of show business they had their three sons and uh and they went into god's business and i'll tell you i had the great fortune to to get to know sam salter before he passed and he was so excited because he had never celebrated passover before and that passover at the road adventure was the one and only and he was in his 80s when uh when he uh wanted to join us and and you know he passed away just a few weeks after but it was in him it was in his heart so badly to join us and you know his son michael was there and his wife ronnie it was a very very special time it meant so much that to, and 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 so we just don't even realize when we just try to do the things that something that's on somebody's heart and we invite and get them to be a part of it you know it that it can it can turn into something so special and it was the the last spiritual event that he did before he passed and he was determined to be there even though his health was really in bad shape at that point yeah i, re- I remember that uh, absolutely uh, but you know what i was going to say is uh, and to zach's point as well is we can't do it right because we're, there's so many things that aren't in place that would enable us to do it exactly the way we're supposed to do it. Like being in the land and with the temple and all that stuff. That's going to come in the millennial reign. And, and I'm not looking for any temple until Yeshua sets it up. So and, and, and any establishment of Israel, I'm waiting for the Messiah himself to create. And once the Messiah himself reestablishes Israel, brings his people back together again in the land, and the, and the temple is reinstituted with, with the new Levitical priests that he himself will appoint, according to the prophets, you know, that's when we will be able to participate for real in the real way. The best we can do in the meantime is a rehearsal. And so, you know, that being the case, I, I don't believe circumcision is required. And we mentioned that actually in the... I believe it was in the um, the live virtual house church that we did with Now You See TV at that particular conference when this issue came up. Is because even at that one, we were when we made it plain, this is a rehearsal. You know, uh, this is a dry run. This is you know, we're we're acting out the various elements of it for the sake of learning. And so, to be clear, if you've attended a Passover, you know, at somebody's house or something like that, and you weren't circumcised, you're not cursed, you're not dead, you know, God's not going to whack you or anything like that. Uh, so I do want to make that clear. But to your point, Kevin, there's going to come a time when we will all be doing it, in, you know, yeah. uh, in the millennial reign. So to whatever degree we can choose to be obedient, willfully obedient, and try to walk it out the way he told us to, we can. We have the opportunity to do so now. And so you know, this is a touchy issue. People get all wrapped around the axle about it. I want to make it as clear as I possibly can. No one on this panel is saying you need to be circumcised to be saved. Okay? Uh, neither are we saying we need to go out and start killing animals. You know? Uh, either. Um, Yeshua is the final sacrifice. We see that in the book of Hebrews. So, you know, right now we're talking about rehearsal. We're talking about symbolism and meaning within the feast that all point to him. And one of the requirements happens to be this issue of circumcision. Uh, actually, actually, Rafi, if I may, uh, 
I, I, there is an amazing, amazing foreshadow in the scripture about exactly this point about circumcision. And I touched at this point uh, before about the salvation in two step. And then we know that uh, Israel came out of Mizraim uh, from Egypt. And they were not following the, the Torah of Yahuwah. They were in, in the midst of the paganism, idolatry of Egypt and so on. And it, it, because, it was because of the oath and the vow of Yahuwah that he decided with Abraham, that he decided to, to take, uh, take them as the, uh, his people to take the take them out of uh, Egypt and but it, it wasn't only that uh, we read in the book of uh, Joshua Yahushua that even the second generation wasn't circumcised during the, the uh, during the 40 years in the wilderness and uh, it was Yahushua himself who took this uh, second generation after they crossed the Jordan and before they were uh, going into the land and circumcised them so, so you know, the, it is my belief that uh, as we saw it happening, this foreshadow in the in the scripture in the in the, in the Torah, that uh, Yahuwah was uh, pleased with the second generation. Beside what happened with the matter of Peor that we discussed during the the Balaam uh, portion, but uh, Yahuwah was pleased with that generation, even even when they were not circumcised, and it was a man called Yahushua ben Nun, who was the one leading the people. That he took the knife and circumcised all the males before getting in into into the promised land. It's my belief that it's going to be Yahushua Hamashiach, the second Yahushua in the scripture that's going to take the the fling rock, most <laughs> probably for those that are not circumcised, and it's going to circumcise them in order to inherit the the, the kingdom of Yahuwah. So so it's, I, I totally agree with you guys. It's not a matter of uh, that we need to do it because somebody else is is, is saying it. But if you feel in your heart that you need to do it because you want to be obedient and you want to follow the, the step of Yahushua, go for it. It's the Ruach told, to, telling you in your heart. But if you, you don't feel compelled to do it, don't, don't be afraid. It is exactly what happened with Israel and the second generation. It's going to be Yahushua HaMashiach, the one that's going to circumcise all. Well, that, that's a wonderful perspective, one. And I also wanted to, to mention that uh, it says in the word, you know, Atatsuri Veshuati. You are my rock and you are my salvation, right? Yeshua, T, my salvation, my Yeshua. But but you said it was the flint rock. And that actually the word tzur is the rock that is used to cut to do the circumcision. And one of the functions of the Messiah is to circumcise our hearts, if you will. Um, but also, if you think about it on a big perspective, you know, the serpent has to be on the eighth day released from the pit where he is then thrown into the lake of fire, essentially the earth becomes circumcised on the eighth day following the creation of Adam uh, and, and when the Satan is finally cast into the lake of fire. And so we see Yeshua is the one doing that with the sword of his mouth. So he's cutting off Satan, telling him, go in that, have a swimming party in the lake of fire. And, uh, and so he does bring forth the circumcision of the earth finally from our uncleanness that we've had that came from us listening to the serpent in the first place. So, Amen. So we've been talking about the physical circumcision. <clears throat> and uh, again, if you go back and read Acts 15, because people are asking, is Rob being a Judaizer? No. I'm trying to be as clear as I possibly can here. I know somebody's looking for a soundbite, but I'm being as clear as I possibly can be here. If you read Acts chapter 15, it specifically says the Judaizers are going around saying, you must be circumcised to be saved. 
neither myself nor anyone else on this panel is saying that. You do not need to be circumcised to be saved. And the decision that was made in Acts 15 was simply to create a set of minimal requirements to clean the pagans up so that they could come and hear Moses preached every week on the Sabbath. And as they hear Moses preached every week on the Sabbath, they would then be convicted in their heart to do whatever they felt they needed to do in obedience. It was a matter of the heart. But speaking of the matter of the heart, what what is your take, uh, any of you guys, on what what does it mean, the circumcision of the heart? I'll, I'll be happy to jump in. I mean, to me, it's, it. it's 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 where are the 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 fact that we're okay with sin, which needs to be cut off, and we have to do. I mean, Yeshua says, if you look lustfully upon a woman with you, you should gouge out your eye because it's better, you know, for you to enter into the kingdom with one eye than to go to the fire of hell with you know with two eyes intact. And if your right hand causes you to sin, to cut it off, right? So it, it's the circumcision of the heart is because it's all in our heart. It's it's what do we want to do and what are we willing to put up with and what are we tolerating? And when we when we reach the point where we're like, we don't care what anybody thinks, we don't care what they say. We, if, if our Heavenly Father has ordained it in His Word and He's leading us by His Spirit, especially if His Son told us about it, then we need to be all about it. And so that, to me, is the circumcision of the heart. It's where, we, where I am determined to cut off sin in my life because in response to the fact that He has saved me. And so that's that's why I see it. And then the more I learn uh, from his word, it's like a surgical knife that just cuts away that little sinful tendency that it helps me to to get on the right track. And I'm, it puts me in a constant state of repentance and openness to change. And and so that's a circumcised heart is one that is cutting away that fleshly nature and, and submitting to the will of our Heavenly Father with a true, pure, open heart. Excellent. Very good. While you were talking, Kevin, I put up on the screen. Uh, one of the links I posted earlier, I'll post it again in the chat room, from the Ephraim Awakening website uh, dealing with So Do You Keep All 613 Commandments is the title of it. But I have a meme there that was created by another ministry out there that I saw on Facebook that really summarizes this quite well. The Acts 15 decision. Step one, immediately clean up and come out of the pagan worship scene by obeying four basic Torah commands specifically related to idolatry. That's in verse 20, Acts 15, 20. Step two, after ditching the pagan worship stuff, begin assembling with fellow believers on the Sabbath, verse 21. Step three, begin to learn Torah, Moses, on each Sabbath and apply it as you go along, verse 21. That's, you know, pretty pretty well laid out as to what that means. Um, before we move on, uh, any other final thoughts on circumcision of the flesh and or the heart, or do you guys think we've covered it pretty well? Um, I, I think, bottom line, it's it's just the change of the reason you're doing the commandments in the first place. Uh, you know, whenever our hearts are changed, uh, uh, yeah, and we're doing it because we love our Father in Heaven, and we're doing these things because uh, we're trying to love Him and we're trying to love our neighbor. Uh, it, it's no longer a, a burden to do the commandments. It's, it's no longer I'm doing these things you know, to be saved or I'm not justifying myself with these commandments. Rather, it's, uh, you know, it's a demonstration of that, that relationship change. And, and um, you know, it, you know, there's this, you know, this discussion in the book of Hosea that talks about how um, he's going to... Uh, the bride is no longer going to 
be saying uh, Ba'ali, but he's going to say, uh, but they're going to say Ishi. Um, and, um, and the discrepancies between those words is, is, is this lordship relationship where, you know, people are just these, you know, subservience and, oh, you know, we, you have the, the master of the house um, and you, you got to do these things or, or you're going to be punished. And, and so the, the reason for walking out the commandments would be, you know, oh, I'm going to save myself from hellfire. You know, it's, it's an insur- uh, you know, fire insurance type mentality which is, is really what I had for the vast majority of my life when it came to Christianity. Um, but God desires a relationship where we're not obeying him because we're just you know, trying to get out of hell. It's, it's not about just escaping punishment. Rather, it's, it's he wants us to obey him because he loves us. And, and the whole reason he gave us commandments is because he wants to protect us. He wants to keep us away from from the you know the wickedness of the world which brings a curse on our life and so you know that that whole process of having a circumcised heart is 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 realizing that you know we're not trying to figure it out anymore it's not on us to figure out what's right and wrong but submit and humbly accept that he knows best for us what's right and what's wrong and if if only just you know modern christianity uh you know there's a lot of self-help seminars and there, there's a lot of uh, really you know Im- impressive sermons and speeches that can really get you going but but until we completely submit and realize that the word of God is just for our benefit you know that that's what the whole process of having that circumcised heart is 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 just saying look I, I don't have it figured out and I'm going to seek to learn and obey which is what the Shema is all about is is I'm not going to fi- you know try to justify it in my own mind of why it would apply to me or why it should work for me, but that's the vast majority of what we hear from people coming against uh, you know somebody who says we should keep the commandments is they say oh well, I'm not trying to be a, a Jew or or those commandments are for different people in a in a different time and and it's people justifying why they should not have to obey the commandments and and whenever we sum it all up. You know, Matthew five seventeen through 19, you know, talks about how, you know, those who who don't do and don't teach or or teach that even the least jot and tittle is passed away from the law. You know, those are the people who are going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. But those who do and teach the commandments of God, you know, those who are who are great in the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, of course, you know, throughout history, there's been people that perhaps have been ignorant to the truths of the wholeness of the Word of God. Maybe, you know, they're just falling in line and, and doing things because that's what they've inherited and the practices they've inherited. Uh, but I think that's the, the whole warning that we have in this Torah portion in Deuteronomy, which is don't go to the right or to the left. Don't don't fall into the traditions of men uh, who are adding on to the Word of God. You know, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 4.2 is about don't add to or take away. Um, and so you don't add to it, and you don't take away from it, and uh, and that's what having a circumcised heart practically looks like in your life. Is you're no longer trying to justify sin, and you're no longer trying to justify you know why you're not sinning, um, because the definition of God's righteousness is found in the Word of God, and I think that's uh, you know what fully realizing that we're just you know here to learn uh, how to imitate the Messiah and how to walk after him and, and the best way to do that 
And what God's Spirit's supposed to do is bring all these things into remembrance so that we can apply them in a practical way in our everyday-to-day interactions, in our life, and we can we can understand the spiritual the spiritual principle, you know, through these physical commandments. Like Yeshua said, you know, you know, if you even, you know, have hate in your heart towards your brother, you're already committing murder. You know, we're learning these deeper, uh, deeper spiritual premises is just by the, you know, the, the basic commandment, but it's only by walking those commandments out that we can learn those things. And, and that's why it's so important to look at, you know, the wholeness of the word of God and, and how it applies to you as an individual and, and walking those things out is the evidence of that circumcised heart that you just want to obey. You just want to please God. And it's not about you figuring it out or you justifying, you know, your, your idols or, or your, um, view of righteousness, which is what the children of Israel did in the times of the judges is each man did what was right in their own eyes. And that's what we find in today's Christianity is you got 44,000 denominations, each one with differing rules of, of how to, you know, how to, you know, be a good Christian or, or what that particular denomination, you know, what they're going to be outwardly uh, demonstrating as, as Christians, you know, whether it's your, your look, some denominations say, you know, holiness is defined by the length of your sleeves and some denominations, you know, they define it in other varying ways, but the best definition for, for believers, now that we've had our hearts changed, um, and we want to follow after the best example, the Messiah, you know, now that we've had those, our heart changed, you know, the best example of, of what, what pleases God and the way he wants us to walk out our lives is, is in the book. And, uh, and that's why today's world is so exciting because we have, we, we are this generation that has the opportunity to read through the scriptures. Uh, and it's so readily accessible. Uh, it's at our fingertips. It's in our pocket, literally the scrolls that cost super expensive. Like in today's world, you could buy a hot rod vehicle for what they would spend to just get the scroll of Isaiah copied. And yet we have that the scroll of Isaiah and the, the whole Torah and, and the Gospels and all of these prophets in our pocket. So what excuse do we have, you know, that, oh, we don't have the Word of God and oh, we can't look and learn? You know, the, the time of ignorance where God winks at our ignorance is, I believe, because maybe, you know, for the past 1,500 years under the Catholic Church, you had to go to a priest to hear the word of God read. And, you know, and of course there was all these intermediaries, you know, you had to go to the rabbi uh, to hear the word of God or, or go to the synagogue. But now literally all times of the day, what we saw in Deuteronomy uh, six, where we're going to be talking about them on the wayside and, and thinking of them when we go to bed and, and discussing them, you know, when we're with our brothers and sisters, that's what he wants for us. You know, us just so, invested and and excited about learning about him and his character and and that's what's that's awesome because people are starting to get the importance of the word of god and they're they're starting to turn back to the 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 commandments that god gave to moses just like it says in the book of malachi and uh and i think that's uh i've gone on long enough sorry hey jake that that's awesome perspective well i, I want to offer something practical on this okay and i'll, I'll just be transparent from my experience you know because by these commandments we will live right and and i had a situation a while back where i was wronged pretty well and and it really got me out of kilter for a couple of years right 
for for an extended period of time and i was contemplating revenge and it would have been legit and i could probably write a really graphic novel about all the different ways to torture maim humiliate or otherwise destroy another human being right with all the thoughts that the enemy was coming to to me with all these ideas and unfortunately for me i was in agreement with it because i was so hurt and i was so mad right and one day i was doing torah study and and i knew i was having this issue with being anger and it wasn't it wasn't unjustified okay it was very justified but it was on the law concerning the man who lies in wait to ambush the one that's done him wrong. And it says that that the one who lies in wait, uh, if he does execute justice, even if it's correct, uh, it should be stoned. And, and then it finally hit me. And this was the beginning of the healing for me personally on this situation was when I realized by me not taking revenge in this situation, not only did it preserve life, probably my own, right? Because I would have either gotten killed in the process or gone to prison because of the things that I was contemplating. And, but at the same token, when I realized that I don't have the legal right to take revenge, okay? Now, everything in my flesh wants to take revenge. Everything in, in, in my body was like, I'm going to get this situation squared away. You know, now I don't have to say, well, I'm not really a manly man because I didn't do that or I don't have what it takes or whatever. No, I chose to not take revenge. I chose to pray forgiveness in a situation because I submitted to the law of my heavenly father. Now, everything in me wanted to do exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. And anybody who was have ever been wronged in the past, you would know that that's how you feel. But if we behave the way we feel, it will be an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth, and we'll all be blind and toothless, okay? But when we give him the opportunity to do his thing, that's when it doesn't matter anymore. And and now he can change me and change my perspective. And now when the enemy tries to bring thoughts about getting revenge or, or doing these things, I can say, look, I don't have a legal right. You're going to have to go talk to the judge. He's the one that can handle this. But for now, I'm not listening to you because I'm speaking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because that's what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And those feelings are not aligned with that spirit. And the law of the Lord says that I cannot take revenge. So there's no point in us even having this conversation. Hallelujah. So to me, that's how the law saved my life <laughs> in one little case. And, and maybe it's relevant to somebody out there who might be dealing with some unforgiveness and some anger and some frustration. Let me tell you, he set me free by his law, and I submitted to it. And I'm much more of a man of peace now over that whole situation than I was back then. I I could testify to that as well uh, in my own life on several occasions. I won't for the sake of time because we only got about 10 minutes left. But, yeah, good, good uh, testimony there, Kevin. Um, you know, I think most Christians, hopefully, would say they love God, you know, um, hopefully. Uh, and they're usually the ones that are coming against what we're doing here. And they say, well, we, all we have to do is love God and love our neighbor as ourselves." Well, I mean, this Torah portion is all about this loving God that delivered a people that he chose that was nothing special about the people either. It, you know, Moses is making a point of letting him know, hey, guys, you know, uh, you have been chosen. Uh, to be a special people for this God who has delivered you. And all he asks is that you simply obey him and the things he's asking you do to do are for your betterment, for life and for prosperity. Oh, the horror, right? So how do we return 
the favor. Well, we obey him. And if you say you love God, I'm going to read it for you because I, I always put these scriptures up and tell people, just read First John chapter 5. I don't think anybody ever does because they still come back with arguments. I'm like, I'm, so I'm going to read it for you. First John chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat, that being the Father, loveth him also that is begotten of him, that being the Son. For this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and what? Keep his commandments. And in case you didn't get it, verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous or burdensome. So I, I still, I can't for the life of me understand why people want to push back so much. Um, but there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about in the last few minutes. Uh, and one of them had to do with the pro- prohibition of creating imagery of things on earth or above, or, you know, birds or animals or anything like that. And this is my take on it. I'm kind of curious as to what you guys have to say about it. But uh, <clears throat> I'm an artist myself. And so I have painted plenty of things that are representative of animals or life on Earth, uh, sculpted things, sculpted people, things of that nature. I personally do not believe that this is a prohibition against artists making imagery uh, of nature. Um, if if it is, then uh, um, Betzalel and what's the other guy, Aholiab, I think was his name, were, uh, were sinners uh, because we have sculpted images of pomegranates and angels and different things on the Ark of the Covenant and in the tabernacle and various, you know, aspects of the tabernacle and then later the temple. I think the whole reason behind that prohibition is clearly laid out in the context of the Torah portion we're reading here is in regard because he's reiterating the Ten Commandments and it's thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so it is my opinion that the prohibition against artistry uh, rep- creating representations of things on earth is specifically related to idolatry uh, because that's what we see all through this Torah portion. So to you artists out there, it is my opinion. This is not, let's say it, the Lord, take it to him and pray about it. This is my opinion, you know, after looking at it, this and praying about it and considering it. I believe that artists are free to create imagery of things on earth or in the sky above or whatever, but you can't do so for the purpose of worship and idolatry. Anybody else have any thoughts on that issue or agree or disagree with what I just said? I have a different opinion, Rob, on, on this. And, and actually, I think in the, in the next uh, next week, we will have a more more deep uh, talk on, on, on the next portion. Because uh, I, I agree with the, the, the points you, you mentioned about the, the people that made the... the, the the utensils and all the everything for the Mishkan and the Tabernacle and the Temple. But uh, for example, in the case of the Archangels or the, the Kerubims, there is something that is uh, in the heaven above. It's not the heaven in the sky that we see. Mm-hmm. So, so, so in the way that I understand this portion is that everything that the, our, our eyes see in this in the sky, in the heaven, or, or in the on the on the water, and and you know I'm not basing the, this understanding only on the um, on what is written. It's based on experiences that I had and also my my dad had with the the demonic uh, experiences through sculptures and things like that. But uh, you know, because of the time time con- uh, constraint, uh, we can expand this on the next week uh, portion. Well, we still got we still got ten minutes, so <laughs> what? 
Uh, yeah, uh, actually, see. actually, you know, the, uh, why why I'm saying this that we can continue next week because I wanted to share the uh, some some stuff related to the last days and and, and that was the, my last point that I wanted to to share today, and it's related to the to the portion, and this is a so for me it was so strong message that the, all of us we need to we need to hear in these last days and it's in the chapter four of the Deuteronomy, uh, verse twenty nine to thirty one. And uh, you know we see what's going on on the on the world, and and it's so it's also connected to what you said about the circumcision of the heart. What what might takes take in the circumcision of the heart somehow is connected to the the whole purpose of the new covenant, the Torah written in the heart. Is what Yahushua said that we need to deny ourselves, because the the only way that we need to deny ourselves and cut our flesh, our flesh of sin, is to let Yahuwah to help us to obey his word and to to the obedience, as I was sharing uh, before, uh, is grace and also obedience in order to inherit, inherit the land. So so what is written here is exactly to, to all of us in the last days, it says the following, but from there you shall seek, from the dispersion he's talking about, from there you, you, you shall seek Yahuwah your Elohim and shall find, and when you search for him with all your heart and with all your being, in your distress, he's talking about, tribulation when all these words shall come upon you in the latter days then you shall return to Teshuvah in, in Hebrew return to Yahuwah your Elohim and shall obey his voice for Yahuwah your Elohim is a compassionate El he does not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your of your fathers which he swore to them so he's talking about what's happening in these days and the call he says he's giving us to all of us in this in this moment in these days that we need to return to Yahuwah. This was the message from Yahushua Hamashiach that we need to repent. What's repentance? And this is important to understand. Repentance is not only an emotion. It's a, it's like faith. It's faith without uh, action. It's totally death. Repentance needs to come with conversion. And what's conversion to return to the way of Yahuwah? So, so this is the, the call that we have these days that we need to cling as we were we were uh, reading in this uh, same chapter. We need to cling to Yahuwah with all our heart. This is the Shema Israel. We need to love Yahuwah with all our hearts. We need to obey Yahuwah with all our hearts. And this is the call that Yahuwah is telling us in this latter day. We need to come back. We need to repent. We need to go back to the to the way of Yahuwah in the same way that uh, Yahushua was telling us in this amazing parable of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son went totally astray from the way until he woke up. And then it was three steps process. First to woke up, just to understand where he was, just to understand what he did. And after that was the process of repentance, just to, is the circumcision of the heart. Just to say, just to understand and realize that he did wrong. And uh, he decided in his heart to go back to his father and follow his way. And then after that was the action was actually to walk the talk, to go back to the Father, to go back to the way of Yahuwah. I think this is exactly what's the, the, the calling we are receiving now. We have so an amazing Yahuwah, so an amazing Elohim, that he will fulfill his uh, promises to all of us. And this is for me, is the circumcision, uh, circumcision or, or the heart. And, and, and not only that, you know, I found, I found an amazing, amazing the passage. Because in, in this uh, in this portion, we also see that what is wisdom and what is understanding is the Torah of Yahuwah is wisdom and understanding. And in the book of Job, chapter 
chapter 38, verse 36, it says the following, who has put wisdom in the inward parts, or who has given understanding to the heart? If we understand this verse, keeping in mind that the wisdom and understanding is the Torah of Yahuwah, this verse is talking exactly about the new covenant, the Torah written in our hearts. And, and that's the important connection we need to understand through the blood of Yahushua, through his sacrifice, we are part of this new covenant, the new covenant, the Torah written in our hearts. That's why we need to give obedience to his word. That's what I wanted to, to share with you guys. There is another thing about the Mark of the Beast, but we can talk next week as well. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, just to uh, let me switch over here. <clears throat> um, just to reiterate what I was saying and why I was saying it, I would direct people's attention. Let me switch the screen over here. Because uh, what we're seeing in the Deuteronomy portion, today's Torah portion, is like everything else so far. It's a, it's a recap of what's already gone before in the previous uh, books of the Torah. Um, in Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is above heaven, uh, that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So clearly this prohibition is about idolatry, not artistry, in my opinion. And in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, what is this? I think this is chapter 4 beginning in verse 23. Take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remaining long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. I have call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over the Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood, stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. So in every case, whenever I'm looking at this prohibition of making uh, uh, representations of thing, things on earth or in the heavens above or whatever, it's always in the context of worship. Never do it with the context of I'm making this thing to be an idol that I'm going to worship, like the golden calf, for instance. Um, I don't see a prohibition against just simply uh, appreciating nature and creating a painting of a flower and putting it up on your wall or a horse or whatever the case may be. So that's my reasoning behind that. Uh, the only thing I'll add to that, Rob, very briefly, is even the Lord had the the bronze serpent made correct. and they held it up on the post because everybody's complaining about getting bitten by snakes while they were in the desert. And eventually, even that had to be destroyed because the people turned it they, into an idol years right. later. So yep. so sometimes things may not start out as an idol, but they end up being one. And so right. my, my challenge to myself and anybody else, if, if there's an object in your home or in your workplace or anything that's under your jurisdiction and, and it has a hold on you and you, you start having 
anxiety or trying to think about what does it take if I didn't have this thing, you might want to really take that to heart and pray to the Lord because he doesn't want anything to interfere with your relationship with him. And so, and, and I'm pretty ruthless when it comes to those types of things. So uh, in my own personal life. So I would encourage you. And it, it is because the Antichrist sets himself up an idol in the holy place and he expects everybody to bow down and worship that thing. And so that's why the house, that set, that third temple ultimately gets judged because he says the house of an island is set for destruction. And that's why Yeshua tells us to flee to the wilderness because when he brings that destruction, it's the seven plagues, seven of the plagues of Egypt are falling out on top of Jerusalem at that time because he's cleaning house for real. So just keep that in mind as, as you know, we work with art and objects and things like that. Yeah, amen to that. Um, absolutely, and I would. I also caution people people who go on like short term mission trips, and I I've seen this many many times. People go on short term mission trips to places like India or other places where they have many many gods, and they'll go to the marketplace to get souvenirs to bring back home, and they'll bring back some souvenir of some sculptured something another, you know, let's say from India. Uh, well, that thing could very likely have been an idol that you just brought into your house. And I think many of these idols actually come with hitchhikers in the spirit realm that um, it's a proven fact that these demonic entities can attach themselves to things. So, um, I, boy, we learned that very quickly uh, on the foreign mission field. Hey, listen, you know, it's okay maybe to go get, you know, get a hat or something, you know, to remind you of your trip or whatever, but be very careful about bringing, you know, the little Buddha statue or the this or the that or whatever, you know, from some of these places, which I have seen many Christians do that go on these short-term mission trips. And, you know, I only became more conscious of it because for me it wasn't just short-term mission trips. It was my job. To, to be a missionary and to get entrenched with these and to to do more than your average churchgoer who just goes on a you know a one week mission trip. So I started to learn these things more and more. But I've yet to see anybody bowing down and worshiping a picture of a bird, you know, that my mom painted in my parents' house. You know, I don't think there's any danger of that happening. So I think we just need to be careful about um, over the top legalism. I think we have to understand context. I think it is prudent to be aware of the of the concerns and the dangers but i also think you know just like yeshua had to com constantly rebuke the pharisees for what they did to the shabbat which was made to be a blessing to people they made it a burden so, you know they made it a burden by creating all these so-called fences around the law that actually made it more difficult and almost impossible to keep so you know i i, I want to make sure that we as uh, our friend dr russ how uh, depicted so well he has a he drew a picture of a hill with a straight and narrow path going off to a nice sunset and on the let's say the left he had the pitch of uh, he had the ditch of pagan christianity and on the right the ditch of rabbinic judaism and the danger is you know sliding off into one of those ditches where you can see people who were ethnically jewish who come and realize that they have a Jewish Messiah, they get on the straight and narrow path, and next thing you know, they got Christmas trees, you know, and they're not keeping Sabbath anymore, and they've just slid off into pagan Christianity. And likewise, you have people that come out of pagan Christianity, discover the Torah, discover the, the joy and the beauty and the blessings of obeying God, and get on the straight and narrow, and then they start reading all the commentary by the rabbis and stuff, and next thing you know, they slid off into the ditch of uh, rabbinic Judaism. So... I always want to make sure that we we help people not to fall into either ditch and 
put up the guardrails so we stay on the straight and narrow. So these are just some of the things that I wanted to address today. And we are out of time, so I guess we'll save any more insight for next week. But uh, as always, hey, uh, Kevin, Jake, and Juan Carlos, thank you so much. It was always good to hear from you. Good stuff. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. See you guys. Shabbat All right. Shalom. Shabbat shalom, everybody.